0: More fish, more
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Cold Months on the Cape Lookout Jetty, and I'm going to be featuring Captain Justin Ragsdale of breakday Charters out of Atlantic Beach. And we're going to be covering such areas as the what and when the boat positioning, rigs and tackle, as well as tides and winds. So a lot of talking points to help you get on the Cape Lookout jetty and catch some colder month fish. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post, and Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And now in this latest and greatest chapter of the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their knowledge, their insights on how to catch more fish more often. And in this endeavor, I am joined, just as I am in every podcast episode, joined by Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, welcome to another episode.
0: Hey, Gary. Good to see you, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm uh, you know excited to talk to a longtime friend, Justin. Excited to talk about some winter fishing, and uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm you know I'm very much still enjoying the podcast experience. Man, happy to be here.
0: Yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. And if the show is half as good as the pre-show. <laughs> then we're in for a treat on this episode. I am super excited. So really appreciate Justin coming and being part of the show again. Um, so I do want to get to some sponsor shout outs really quickly. And I will start with our friends over at R.A. Hitch. We got Chris and his team at R.A. Hitch. hitches trailers, bike racks, and much more. Be sure to reach out to them um, as you are outfitting your vehicle or anything you need for your outdoor adventure. Always taking care of people always doing a great job and be sure to check out their website as well. It's really, uh, really nice, really nice to scroll through Gary always loves it and talks about it. Uh, probably more so Gary, when you're building your new one, but now it's, it's still nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, I just dig that someone who appreciates what we're doing, you know, in the business world said, man, I want to, I want to associate my business with that podcast, you know, even though it's not a true fishing or boating business. I, mm-hmm. I love that he did that. And I do hope, that I go fishing with that day one, go fishing with that dude one day out of Moorhead. City. Yeah,
0: yeah, man, you will. Maybe I'll be back in time to to join you guys. And then we got a newer sponsor on board with us, uh, Bland Landscaping Company. Uh, you can go to blandlandscapingcompany.com slash careers. And the thing I like about uh, Bland and what they're trying to do is they want to bring on like minded people and they're outdoorsmen and outdoorswomen, and they you know really pride themselves on having. Uh, one great pay, great benefits, uh, but then also get, you know, start early, get off early so you can get on the water. Uh, that's one of the things they told us that we want people who are excited to uh, go be with their family, be with their friends and have a good time. So if you're interested in a new career, then go over to their, to their website, uh, blandlandscaping.com slash careers and apply and see if they'll hire you. They get places all over the, all over North Carolina gear, so Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, man. And I, I, I hear you, man. It's definitely would be a career move. I would not look at it as a job move. I think they're trying to hire career people to stay with them, take care of them and move them on up, man. I think, it. again, I love that he likes what we're doing and he wants to be associated. And I can't imagine we don't have some people watching, listening to the podcast that would be a great fit for bland landscaping.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that, you know, and, and one more thing is the CEO got on the phone with me. It wasn't just a recruiting person. It wasn't there. Like the CEO of the company was like, I want to share with you what we're trying to accomplish. So really cool. I go check those, uh, that company out as well. And then our, one of our longest spot, our longest sponsor for the show. And uh, I don't know how, cause Gary makes fun of them and makes up stuff they say all the time, but Marine Warehouse Center, I got a quick note from them and I'll let Gary defend himself when we get back. The Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers, we have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have it. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the All oh, right, so I was having trouble finding the button there, <laughs> so I'll just toss the mic to you, Gary. I'll let you defend yourself because I said you make up. I don't. I mean, I'm great <laughs> friends with
1: those guys. I don't understand what you mean about having to defend myself. I mean, I, I might, you know, call Terrell out for his bad jokes, but man, sales, service, parts, man, I'm a huge fan of Emmett and Terrell Marine Warehouse Center. They take care of the Fishpost boat. Yeah, man, those guys do, are yeah. great. You know. Telling jokes, Terrell. I don't know. You know, selling parts, you know, advising you on parts purchases. Home run hitter. Telling jokes. Work in progress. And and I think one? it'll be evident. I, no, it's not a good one. They're never good ones. You <laughs> you are friendly to them. I but mean, I am not.
0: It's 50-50. Actually, probably, I i am mean, more 75. 75-25. Yeah, life, you're
1: more than 50-50. You're, yeah. you're forgiving. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Again, this is Terrell's joke. Not Gary's. Terrell Marine Warehouse. What did the fish's friends tell her when her relationship ended? I have no idea. There are plenty of other fish in the Uh, sea. Ha, ha, ha. Boom. Boom. That's so that fell in the 25%, on. not the 75%, that I guess.
0: 25, 25%. We'll see you next week, Terrell.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, speaking of fish, I'm going to show you a fish photo so we transition out of this bad joke segment. Here we go. We have Brian Bellamy from Wilmington with a trout caught near Carolina Beach on a jig head in saltwater assassin soft plastic. Uh, looks like he's having a good time. Got a big smile on his face after catching that fish. Nice looking fish there. Good picture, too.
1: Yeah, man, for a selfie, that's a pretty good shot yeah, getting most like of that fish that. in there. I mean, I see a lot of fish photos. I see a lot of selfie fish photos, and that's that's easily in the 75% range when it comes to selfie fish photos. Good for Brian.
0: <laughs> oh man we'll see if you make it send us your photos we'll tell you if you're in the 75 or 25 percent we'll just go that's how we'll start uh judging photos we're, we're professional photo judges of fish um so yeah gary good good uh good picture there glad thanks thanks for sending that in brian and then gary thanks for sending it to me to put on the show it's good looking good looking fish
1: well yeah man so i am going to be heading i'm going to start talking with justin um about colder months on the cape lookout jetty but billy your assignment remains unchanged as it is in every podcast as soon as i'm done talking with justin i'm coming back to you for billy's best takeaway
0: oh i thought it was to sit here look good and push buttons but all right i'll have a takeaway for you
1: billy's best takeaway but now it's my turn. it's my my pleasure to welcome to the show captain justin ragsdale break day charters out of atlantic beach here to talk about cold winter months or cold weather months on the cape lookout jetty welcome back to the show justin
2: thanks for having me back gary good to be here
1: yeah man always enjoy talking to you whether it's on a podcast or it's at a fishing school or out on your boat man and you know so looking forward to this conversation because I am a fan of the Cape Lookout Rock Jetty, I haven't spent much time out there, but I am a fan, and I'm I'm happy that you're here to talk to us about that topic.
2: Yeah, man. Now it's a great, it be the, a great place.
1: Now, as the tradition goes on the podcast, you got two questions before we get to the main event. If you're ready, Justin, I'm going to give you question number one.
2: Yes, sir.
1: Question number one: Why should we listen to anything you have to say about the Cape Lookout Rock Jetty?
2: Cause I said, so no, but, uh, <laughs> I'm a structure guy, uh, you know, as long as I can remember saltwater fishing, I've been fishing structure, uh, the jetty structure, you know, I fish a lot of docks. It's just up my alley. It's something that I do shallow water structure. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of like fishing a river and the same rocks are in the same place. And the current just changes directions. So I've just done a lot of it my whole life.
1: Well I follow good analogy. I like the river analogy and then now as a tradition has a question number 2 a non fishing related question. This is actually trivia based. We're going to see we're going to see how worldly you are. What state what state and this is inspired by the Cape Lookout uh, lighthouse. This is the inspiration of this question. What state in the United States has the most lighthouses?
2: I'm going to say, I'm going to say Maine.
1: And that is a good guess. And the answer does begin with an M, but it's not Maine. It's actually Michigan. Michigan has the most.
2: Yeah. I guess there's a lot of points on those lakes up there to protect against.
1: There's a lot of points. There would be actually 115 of them that have lighthouses on them. How about that? 115. Wow. Wow. But enough trivia. Let's talk fishing. I think our first topic up is like the what and when. So of course there's fish out there all year round, but I think the winter months are some of your favorites for the rock jetty. You know, how do we define the the what and where for Cape lookout rock jetty winter fishing?
2: So, you know, those, those low 60 degree temps, those mid to low 60 degree temps, um, you know, we're going to see those and, you know, we're coming in t- to late November. Um, I think that's when it really shines. I think you have fish, that are dumping out of the, you know, the sounds and the marshes, uh, a certain percentage of them are heading to the ocean to probably winter, you know, in the surf zone, off a little ways. And, you know, there's also, I think, a push of fish from up north that may be in the ocean migrating. So I think there's a mingling there, but most of it, I think, is just fish pushing out. And, uh, you know, it seems like when those water temps inside get into the upper 50s, you know, the ocean's going to be like mid to low 60s. And, There's just going to be a start, a a really good push in late November. Um, Late November, you're going to have gray trout, speckled trout, black drum, red drum. Uh, There's going to be sheep's head around. Um, You know, those are going to be the big ones. I would say the trout fishing is going to remain good until the water's in the 50s. So sometimes all of December can be phenomenal out there. Um, But, you know, once you get down below 50, um, you know, then, you know, your red drum, there's going to be a more chance of them hanging around for a while. The black drum, the sheep's head, they really get to really stay in there. Um, their size will kind of reduce, at least on the sheep's head. Um, the bigger ones tend to move off when the water gets down there around that 50 mark. Um, but, you know, at times uh, the black drum can really pile onto there and uh, all the way in through, through through March. And I'd say black drum would be the, the big target for me in the in the end of the winter. there, coming back into spring.
1: And, uh, man, I I was trying to follow, but I was trying to follow too much. So the, the trout are there in late November, but you would say your chances of speckled trout and gray trout, they end sometime in January or at least diminish. I mean,
2: again, it, it all depends on local, you know, conditions that we have. I mean, if we're having mild winters and southerly winds, um, you know, you can keep that water there. And I mean, I've caught trout there in every month of the winter. Um, it's just, I would say the predominant time period to be there for those trout is probably going to be up through, you know, Christmas and New Year's. And then it's probably going to plummet to the point where those fish are going to move off to find, uh, the refuge of, uh, deeper water somewhere.
1: And then, so black drum continue to be your main target after, after that sort of cold weather cold water mark but red drum as well um, again i'm sorry i didn't follow red the drum, first red round. drum
2: just de- red drum are just definitely more tolerant to the colder water temps um, you know i mean i i know for, you know i've caught red drum out of a 47 degree surf it's just you know um i think the red drum are gonna uh th- they're gonna be there and all winter long they're just around the corner from the jet from the jetty you know, in the, uh, on the shoals of the, uh, of the Cape lookout itself. So there are going to be days where they could just pop in there at any month during the spring from January to March. Um, but you know, they're going to be there. I catch them a lot, mixed in with the black drum, uh, going into the winter months. Um, but you know, for sure black drum and sheep's head are going to be what I'm going to target mostly going up there. Um, you know, say January to March into early April, um, and the sheep's head size will just reduce. You're still going to catch some keepers, but you know, your larger fish are definitely going to move to your near shore wrecks and your look, you know, um, 50, 60 feet of water and maybe more.
1: Man, I don't know if I'm going sort of out of, uh, context for w- when you, you're talking points, but as far as the Cape lookout, Jetty goes a very popular spot. So starting in late November into December, is it busy just about every weekend or by that time of year, not so busy.
2: So your holidays are going to be busy. Um, if you throw pretty, I mean, if there's pretty weather on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I mean, there's going to be people that are going fishing, you know? Um, but weekdays are generally light, you know, Monday to Fridays are usually going to be, you might be out there by yourself for a while. Um, you know, definitely going to be less, uh, less pressure on the weekdays. Pretty weekends are going to be flat out busy, definitely up through Christmas. Um, And, uh, you know, depending on what kind of boat you're fishing out, I'm usually fishing it in my bay boat. So I'm a little pickier about the weather. But, you know, if you have something in 24, 25 foot center console, you can slide out there on those weekend days where, you know, a lot of the smaller skiffs and stuff won't be able to go out. So, um, you know, it's like any other any other spot. I mean, if it's pretty, people are going to be there for sure.
1: And when is the, when is the like height of it? When is it the most popular where it would be like a parking lot up and down the rocks?
2: I'm going to say, you know, from, we just had, you know, this past Thanksgiving and I'm going to say from then through Christmas, it just seems to be, you know, you got the holidays tied in and the water's right. I mean, uh, you know, December is a well-known month for catching uh, speckled trout in the surf for sure. And, uh, um, you know, but I would definitely say that you're going to see your, your most busy weekends are going to be between, you know, Thanksgiving, which just happened right on up through the holiday Christmas. Okay, man.
1: So the next talking point that you gave me was boat positioning. So we're, we're, we're out there. We found our day. We've, we've got it. We're pulling up to the rock jetties. Help us out with boat positioning.
2: So generally speaking, Most people, most of us are going to want to fish the down current side, thinking the predators are going to be laying behind the rocks, popping up and catching any bait that's being moved along. Um, But the reality of it is, is I generally go with that, that premise. Um, But you have to be able to move. I mean, you can be there on the same type tide, the same type day, back to back, and you caught them on one side with incoming water coming from your bow to you know you know your stern is is pointing towards the jetty, and the next day you might be you better be on the other side on the down current side. Um, you know the jetty itself is gonna it's a massive object in the water, so as these currents hit it, there's going to be a break behind it, but there's also lots of scattered boulders individually along the structure as well, that themselves are just, you know, that it might be six, eight fish that want to hang out there behind that one rock. And, um, it's a primo spot and you can't fish that throwing across the jetty from the other side. So you just have to be mobile. You have to be willing to move. Um, the fish will cruise up and down. Um, but in all reality, there's our days where they seem to like one section of the jetty. Um, but there's going to be other boats. And I'm a big boat watcher. If I've picked my spot where I've done good, I'm definitely going to be paying attention to boats that are on the up-current side, um, for example. And some days, all you got to do is pull your anchor or pull up your spot lock trolling motor and move around the other side and get somewhere just on the up-current side. It makes all the difference.
1: Man, what are most of the boats doing out there? Are they doing spot lock or are they doing an actual anchor?
2: So spot lock's going to be the pretty day work, you know, let's face it. I mean, if it's over a two foot chop and you're in a bay boat or a skiff, um, you know, over two foot, you're going to be pulling, um, you know, you're going to be pulling the prop out of the water, probably drifting around regardless. But the point of a spot lock for me out there is, um, I can stay mobile. I don't have to take time to pull an anchor and then reset. Um, but on a rougher day, Uh, you know, I'm probably just going to go ahead and drop the anchor. Um, I'm kind of a safety freak. If uh, I'm dropping an anchor on the up-current side and the stern's going to settle back against the the jetty, I usually leave my motor running the whole time Um, just because, uh, you know, it doesn't take much and you've lifted out a soft stand. Um, I generally... uh, um, I generally... If I'm going to fish the down current side, um, I'm going to pretty much go right up to the rocks and I'm going to drop. As soon as I see the black rocks below me, I'm going to drop my anchor straight down and get tangled up in there. I don't use a wreck anchor. I just use the Danforth that I have, but um, I've never lost an anchor. It's never been a problem. But, you know, if I'm going to fish the down current side, then I'm usually dropping my anchor right on the whatever scattered rock I see on the outside of the main jetty. I'm going to drop it right in there. Um, And and because of the nature of the jetty, fish move up and down, right? Um, I've been out there on days when there's 40 40 boats on either side of this thing. And at any given moment, five or six boats are having a good time. And everybody's waiting for the fish to swim down the the, the jetty and make their way there. Um, But uh, there's also something to be said for having a spot you're confident in on a certain current and anchoring up and giving it some time because oftentimes the fish will come to you.
1: Man on the up current side. So it's basically Sandy bottom that you're anchoring in. Like how, how far yeah. out do you like, do you need a lot of, and I don't know my anchoring vocabulary. I apologize. You need a lot well, of your road. Scope. I mean,
2: it's all about your scope. Um, but yeah, I mean, solid anchoring is three to one scope. So if you're in 10 foot of water You should probably have thirty feet of rope out before it hits your chain. Um, You know, um, but again, if you're just if your point is just to fish, then dropping an anchor you can get away with. If if, it's all depends on how rough or how much currents out there for the day. But you know, if you do a, a two to one, it'll give you enough. It might not hold you there for the whole day, but it'll give you enough time to probe that section of the jetty. And then it's and then a little how, bit less line and less work to pull up.
1: And then how close are you trying to position the boat on the up current side? Like how, what's your comfort level with how close you let your boat back down onto the rocks?
2: So I'm up current. So my expectation is that as I present my baits to the edge of the jetty, the scattered rock, whatever there might be, um, you know, I'm looking to be. I mean, there's days that I'm, you know, the closest I usually get myself is going to be like 20 feet. If I'm trout fishing, I'm probably if, if I'm trying to target the jetty, the base of the jetty for black drum, I'm probably going to get a lot closer than if I'm thinking I'm going to trout fish. And that's because the closer you are, than the more vertical bottom. You know, when I'm fishing for drum and sheepset, it's a bottom presentation. So I want, you know, my lines to, to be as close to vertical or just less angle to them in general because you have to have less snags. Uh, if I'm trout fishing, I'm, you know, I'm casting. I'm going to need 50 foot. So I might stay 50 foot off the jetty um, if, I'm, if I'm wanting to fish, uh, um, you know, fish for trout. Because that's the other thing, too, is the fish aren't always directly on the jetty. I mean, I've had days where the trout were oriented 45, 50 feet away from it. You know, and they were out over sand, but they were, that's where they were that day.
1: No, okay. I follow that, man. And then if I'm going back to the notes, like we have rigs and tackle, but this might be the part of the show where we start going sort of species specific, like what's, what rig and tackle are you going to use if it's predominantly trout? And then maybe you move us into more of your bottom fishing. I'll let, I'll let you lead, but I, I think that might make sense as far as how to present this next topic
2: area so hands down artificials um for for artificials i'm going with i'm going to go with the leadhead jig um more often than not you're welcome to use whatever you color you want but uh generally speaking if it's white or pearl um you know that's a good place to start the water's generally clean out there um you know the old green grub any and all of it will work but i do my best most consistent catching uh with uh, definitely with white and pearl colors and in fact Uh, there's a slam shady out. That's like a pearl with a bunch of gold fleck in it. And I haven't used that in the ocean yet. I did for flounder for jigging, but, uh, it's been working really well inshore. So I'm looking, looking forward to using that. But, um, and I'm a big believer in if it's regular Z-man plastics, I'm going to smear it with Procure, um, and by late winter, there's oftentimes that, uh, you know, I'm switching over to, uh to gulp and the big thing about gulp fishing out there for a jig the old black drum will fall for the gulp um just about as well as they'll fall for uh you know cut bait which we'll get to in a little bit um but uh the jig heads are going to vary i mean you want your jig to be moved along by the current you want it to be able to stay close to the bottom in general um you don't want to throw an eighth ounce jig and it never gets down to the presentation zone but in and in, in, uh, I'd say day to day, I am going to be using three sixteenths up to three eighths ounce. I've had a few days where I used a half ounce jig head, but it's always going to be three sixteenths quarter um, or three eighths, almost always. Um, you know, most, like I said, most of my baits are going to be jerk shad style, uh, white and pearl, uh, the Z-Man jerk shads. And then, you know, later in the winter or when I'm uh, more worried about black drum, I will switch over and, you know, keep some gulp on the boat. Um, the jerk sheds because they'll definitely jump all over it. But again, whether you're up current or down current, if you're if you start out up current, you may only need a three sixteenths to jig the contours of the jetty and throw around and still hit bottom as that water's you know heading towards your stern and on in. Whereas you know uh, you get to the other side and you know you might need because you're throwing into the current, you might need a three eighths so that as soon as you cast up along that contour, or that edge, she's getting to the bottom where the fish might be right up tight. Um, but you know, you just need to vary it. And, and if, if you're just constantly snagging and constantly uh, hitting bottom too hard, then you have too much weight. So um, if with jig fishing, I see people commit to a weight one, you know, and that's what they tie on and that's what they use. But in reality, if they went to a three-eighths for that hour and a half that the current was ripping, they'd have been presenting right every single time.
1: So with the uh, soft plastic, with that artificial, and I guess we're talking predominantly trout, even though you did mention gulp and black drum. So we're saying that the bottom is basically the presentation zone, the strike zone. That's, that's typically the game we're playing if we're trouting on the rock jetty?
2: Yeah, man. Trout are definitely, you know, I mean, everywhere we fish for them. I mean, you know, especially where we're fishing for them with current. Um, trout are definitely bottom oriented fish and they dart up and grab their targets. Um, but you know, they're lazy like anything else, but we definitely are wanting to make contact with the bottom periodically. We don't have to be dragging along on it. We don't have to be thumping it, but you know, you definitely want where your jig is, you know, you're bringing it up through the bottom two foot of the water column, um, you know, and making contact with the bottom because you got to remember most of the time out here, there's some kind of tide or some kind of current. And there's always a current break either behind something or, you know, with their bellies tight to the bottom for sure.
1: And is, I guess if I'm on your boat, is the instruction, like typical cold water months, like move it slow, like keep it a slow presentation or how do you advise people who are on your boat?
2: So we're usually, we're usually dealing with a sweeping current, you know, so there, oftentimes the water's hitting at an angle and you'll actually, you know, carry your bait down. Um, so there's lots of days where you can cast quartering away off of your stern and that, that bait is going to present and it's going to work its way off of the jetty. You know, um, and there's days where you can throw up, there, there'll be a, a Jew West current coming straight down the length of the jetty and you literally throw up up current a little bit and you're literally fishing parallel to the jetty the whole way. Um, there's just so many different variables out there with the wind, the fact that it's the ocean, longshore currents, but we can get into that later. Um, but uh, um, if you're not getting bit up right next to the jetty and you've dropped your anchor, you guys should be probing all around the boat. Somebody should be casting off the bow, somebody should be casting off amidships, of because um, quite often those fish will hang in, in various locations. Sometimes they're, like I said, 40, 50 feet away from it.
1: So what else do you like to throw besides uh, soft plastic jig heads, man? What else is on the break day boat for these winter months?
2: At times when the current's a little slow, I'll throw some MR 17s um, you know, some suspending jerk baits. But in all honesty, if I'm going up there, outside of maybe some mirror lures, um, my go to is definitely going to be plastics. Just, I mean, it's just that simple. Uh, you don't need to. You don't need much more than that. You want to have some colors with you? Definitely. You know, Um, I've had days where uh, a new penny took off, you know, and was the bite for the day. But generally speaking, um, when it comes to plastic, it just seems like jerk shads. And uh, I don't I don't do I don't even do real well on shrimp um, imitations up there, Um, you know, day in and day out. But uh, as far as lures, maybe a few MR-17s and that's going to be about it.
1: Then what about the, uh, you were talking about straight up bottom fishing, man. What about our bait and rigs or your lures and rigs for more of a bottom fishing presentation?
2: So, uh, number one is going to be a Carolina rig. Um, I'm going to vary the hook size, um, cold water months. If you're up current from the jetty and you put a couple chunks of mullet up against that jetty, um, and there's a red drum that comes swimming down that jetty, he is going to eat it. It just they're not going to pass it up but uh, my go-to if i'm throwing like a piece of mullet or a piece of manhaden or something like that um i'm gonna go with you know probably a 40 pound fluoro leader uh fluoro is not really necessary too much but uh i just use it consistently um you know a three aught kaylee hook or or a appropriate four or five aught circle hook um you know I, i generally when i'm throwing around structure I don't want a long leader because that bait's going to whip around and it could find a crevice too easy. So I generally keep my, you know, leaders like six inches or under, um, you know, and then a barrel swivel and and an appropriate weighted egg sinker um, above that barrel swivel on the main line. Um, That's also going to be, I might modify that hook to a number two O'Shaughnessy um, for fishing bits of shrimp or bits of crab. Um, but you know, that I, I tend to use that, uh, Carolina rig when there's lots of current and things are going to move around a little bit. And another go-to in the winter months, as far as bottom fishing goes, um, is going to be just your standard chicken rig tied on 30 or 40 pound monofilament with a high hook and a low hook. Um, and you know, again, I'm going to be using like a number two O'Shaughnessy because that's going to cover me on the black drum. It cover me on a red drum if he eats it and the sheep's head can get it in her mouth pretty easily because most of the sheep's head are gonna be like, most of them are gonna be sublegal but you know, you're gonna catch some pretty ones out there as well. Um, when it comes to the sheep's head and the black drum, you know, of course they're big crustacean eaters. So shrimp, mole crabs, if you've had any and you froze any or buy some of the frozen ones, um, you know, hard crab works. It's not as easy to deal with with hooking it, but uh, I'd say you're never gonna beat fresh shrimp. And by fresh shrimp, um, I'm talking about going to your seafood dealer and, you know, they're going to have the trawl shrimp and the big green tails, the nice ones that we might normally eat. Um, But when it comes to using shrimp bait and your bottom fishing out there, without a doubt, local North Carolina, even if it was frozen once, is way better than any other shrimp bait you're going to use. I mean, it's big difference. I've seen a big difference between that and then just going and buying the stuff you get from the tackle store.
1: You putting big chunks of that shrimp on the hook or are you putting modest? What's the
2: theory? So, What's the you know, philosophy like, there? You know, your, your regular summertime surf fishing, right? You cut your shrimp into the little segments um, and you use little pieces and you go across the grain. You don't, you don't ever go down the vein of the shrimp. It just makes it that much easier for them to get it off. Um, some people shell it. Some people don't. Some days I do. Some days I don't. Um, some days I think it makes a difference and others I don't. Um, but, uh, you know, you're talking about a bigger shrimp that you're going to be using, right? Cause these are like, you know, eating size shrimp. Um, so when you cut one segment off of it, it's going to be a quite a big chunk of bait there. Um, on a big green tail, that first segment, it might be as big as the end of your thumb. And again, I can't stress enough. Uh, it's so much more important to hook it across the, uh, uh, shrimp body, you know, uh perpendicular to the vein instead of trying to run the hook down the vein they just have a lot easier time getting it off um but uh you know the number two oshaynessy um i use cheap hooks you can go get mosquito hooks you can go get a whole bunch of other high dollar hooks but i'm going to tell you you're going to break stuff off and if you're fishing the jetty especially bottom fishing and you're not breaking stuff off you're probably not fishing in the right spots Um, but that high low rig is uh really really successful and uh, the Carolina rig, I just tend to use it if 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 I'm experiencing more drift with my bait, um, then I'm gonna uh, definitely go with the Carolina rig just because it tumbles easier. I mean it's got you know it's got one less hook and a couple less loops on it. so uh it just works better in the current.
1: Um, I don't know if there's i mean I'm still on rigs and tackle, but I, we've talked about artificials, you know plastics, and we've talked about your bottom fishing presentation is there Anything we you wanted to say in this section that I haven't set you up to say?
2: So the big thing with the jetty, um, and it can be on fire one day and you can go up there the next day and it's literally a desert. Um, you know, it's not, there's been a lot of good days made, a lot of heroes made up there, but you can go up there and literally, despite what you do, there just isn't anything there. Um, But the one thing that I can't stress, and I think people will get what I'm talking about. The Cape Lookout Jetty, I believe, is like 2,500 feet long. And there's a whole bunch of places that people are in love with, but they're only fishing 3% of that jetty. Um, Whether you're bottom fishing or throwing jigs, it doesn't really matter in the wintertime. There's a whole bunch of jetty that's there to explore. Um, There's jetty you can't see. Um, There's days where they want access to 12 foot of water instead of wanting to be up closer to that surf zone. Um, And I think I alluded to that earlier. I move around a lot. And that's the big thing with the spot lock. Like I said, you can hang in an area for 5, 10, 15 minutes. If you're not getting the results you want, you can move along. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of structure there and it's not just the parts that you can see.
1: And then we had tides and wind listed, but I think you've talked about tides and wind. I had it as like a, sort of like the last point. Is there anything else to add to the tide and wind conversation?
2: So as a general rule, if you have a northerly, an easterly, um, you can fish the jetty, um, because the winds are coming off the land. And again, once it's over 15 knots, you know, a northwester is brutal, but anything with West in it and in, in south, west to Southwest, South Southwest, um, if it's over 15, it's not Bay boat time. You know, you can take your 23 center console out there, but you know, if there's something coming out of the West or the uh, um, Southwest directions, Northwest, and it's going to get over 15 knots or 15 miles an hour, it's not going to be fun in a bay boat. Again, a bigger boat, you can go out there and deal with it. Um, In fact, there's days where I fish the jetty with a bigger boat um, and I just control the boat and crab it down and let my anglers present. Most of that's going to be lure fishing um, just because the boat's moving. But uh, you know, you can also fish it without locking yourself down. Um, If there's active game fish on it and you can keep the boat backed up and use forward or reverse as needed, uh, you can present lures pretty well along with it, but westerlies and southerly winds are bad, north, nor, uh, north and northeast, east, usually it's going to be calm in there along the beach, um, on a true south wind, as long as it doesn't get real bad, um, especially, uh, um, you can sneak around, uh, the backside by harkers and avoid the ocean on that hard southerly, but If you get tucked in there along that first third of the jetty on a south wind, you can usually be in some pretty good conditions. Um, You know, I like to think about what my tide's doing in my wind. Um, If I got an incoming tide that's going to be coming across the ocean, right? It's going to be heading to Barden's Inlet down along the Cape parallel. Um, If there's going to be a 15 mile an hour south wind behind that incoming current, um, it might not be best to be there when it's full-blown moving along you know might want to get there at the end of it um and fish the end of that tide slowing down and you know when everything switches around you might move around on the jetty get to the other side and uh, fish that falling falling water but south and westerlies are are uh, pretty rough out there
1: man uh as you're sitting here talking i just sort of thought like this wasn't in any of our show notes or anything but when you're out there and you're watching other people, what are some of the, what's some of the bigger mistakes or what's a mistake that you see other people making out there that if they were to do something different, it might produce better results.
2: In all honesty, I, I catch a lot of fish. I'm, I'm successful with my clients, but you know, it's like anytime I'm on the water, I mean, there's those days where that you're watching that one boat and man, it looks like he's got a green grub on with a curl tail. Or, you know, that looks like it's got some chartreuse in it. I mean, that can literally make the difference. Um, I think people, uh, I think they get too close lots of times, depending on how they're fishing. Um, You know, if you're chucking lures and you're using light tackle, um, you know, you don't need to get right up next to it. Um, And I, I see people they're not letting the water move their lure for them um it's, they're too worried about bringing it back to the boat when they should let the current that's out there sweeping it sideways um and let them stay in that strike zone a little bit longer um and i see people just sit in a to place too long even on those days where there's like only five six seven boats out there um i see boats that just sit and maybe they had a good day there five days ago or last weekend but May not be the good spot that time, you know, for sure. Move around, man.
1: uh, Okay. And then last question on the Cape Lookout just final thoughts on, you know, piece of advice or philosophy for someone targeting the Cape Lookout Rock Jetty.
2: Buy a spot lock trolling motor. No. (laughs) Um, but, uh, don't try to force it. If conditions are rough out there and you won't be able to present, um, that plays a big role in it. And I think a lot of people go when the conditions aren't right. Like running out to the jetty after it blew southwest for three days at 30 miles an hour, there's no point in going if that fourth day is five and the water's slit calm. You know, that entire beach is going to be covered up in mud. Uh, you can't force the jetty to do something that you want it to do uh, when the conditions aren't right, you just really can't. Um, so once you get to know it and once you get to figure it out, you know, just, just don't force your day out there. Um, and you don't need to stay there all day. Um, some days if you don't do much, you might as well move on. You know, there's something else somewhere else to do.
1: Well, Justin, man, I know that you are, you know, you're, you're active, you're busy all season long, often working a couple of boats. So at this point, I'd like you to just let everyone know what else break day charters is doing when it's not at the Cape Lookout, Rock Jetty in the wintertime.
2: So, you know, right now until, uh, you know, from now until probably late December, Speckled Trout, Red Drum is going to be phenomenal uh inshore. So I'm running that in my bay boat. Um, you know, king mackerel fishing, um, you know, up until the water is going to drop out here and probably middle of this month is going to be some really good king mackerel fishing on near shore still. And then that'll probably push offshore into deeper water, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, on into December, you know, and, and this whole time we got false albacore fishing along the beach, fly fishing, light tackle casting. Uh, they're going to be a phenomenal target up through uh, December. Um, And then, uh, you know, moving into December, of course, I'm thinking about bluefin tuna. I do run charters for them, the giants. Um, but you know, usually our kill season starts December one. Um, I'm eligible as a commercial fisherman, but, uh, I do run charters for that experience as well. Um, and you know, it's Eastern North Carolina. If it stays warm, uh, we'll have phenomenal fishing on into January inside. And, you know, of course the winter months are going to be me mostly, uh, you know, working over the black drum around, you know, structure, whether it's a jetty or bridges or whatever that might be. But if it stays pretty and the water stays above 50, uh, lots of speckled trout stay inside the marshes, and they're going to be right up there through March until they start moving around to start their spring thing.
1: Then, well, give us the uh, spring too, man. I mean, beyond the winter, give me the quick the quick highlight reel of spring, summer, and fall.
2: Man, it's just... It my life is speckled trout, red drum, flounder when they let me. Right. Um, you know, but I'm going to say March, okay. you're going to finish up doing your cold water fishing for trout. Um, lot of your drum or they are, are going to be some around your inshore structure for sure. Um, lots of them are going to be out on the, in the surf zone. Um, but, uh, you know, this past year, for example, from March until now, the red drum bite's been ridiculous this year. But, you know, March for me is going to be red drum, still having the speckled trout in the backwater. Um, you know, March, April, uh, down in the sound. I love a sea mullet bite. I do. I know they're not super glamorous, but, you know, a, uh, March, April and May are going to be, you know, that, the time for that. And of course, the gray trout, they make their big showing in April and May. So, uh, they're one of my favorites. As much as I love a speckled trout, a gray trout puts him to shame on the rod, um, bending the rod. Um, and you know, I do marsh to ocean. So, all that inshore stuff. So, follow out into the ocean. Um, you know, springtime it used to be flounder, right, guys? But that's, well, you know, that's still a sore subject, but we'll go on with that. And, uh, you know, you are going to see some false albacore and bonita in April and May. Um, then we're moving right into our Spanish mackerel, our cobia. Uh, you know, grouper opens up May first. Uh, Spanish, ma- I mean, king mackerel, live bait and pulling dead bait, near shore stuff. Um, and of course, May and June is going to be mahi time. Um, and all summer long is going to be drum. You know, speckled trout is going to be good. You know, potentially good up through the spring. Our spring bites usually not the same as our fall bite. But, uh, you know, th- that's going to be good up through, uh, you know, May. And then uh, Red Drum just takes over for the summertime as far as inshore. Um, and, you know, late May is going to be time to start uh, targeting those big Spanish mackerel with live bait. King mackerel start to get mixed in near shore. Um, and again, through that whole time, it's going to be the speckled trout. Uh, I mean, the gray trout out there as well underneath all that stuff on the reefs. Um and it just gets better and better, man. Every year it's a vicious cycle. What do I do? What do I do?
1: I mean, I know I gave you a broad question. I mean, you got a couple of different boats. And like I, I knew your business motto, March to Ocean. I knew you're covering it all. But I, I wanted to give you a chance just to let everyone else know, give them a taste of everything else that you have and your arrows you have in your quiver. Man, uh, Justin, it, it's easy to talk to you, man. I enjoy it every time. And uh, it was good to connect tonight, man.
2: Yeah, brothers, good to see you, man. I thank you for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, dude, thank you for being a guest, and we'll talk soon, Justin.
2: All right, man. Take care, brother.
1: Billy Thorpe.
0: All right, Gary. Good episode, man. Ton of information. Justin, Captain Justin, is uh, just a wealth of knowledge, dude, when it comes to fishing in general. So. He is,
1: man. He's an easy talker. He likes to share, man. And you know, he think, you know, he's one of those, he's thinking about it and reflecting about it and tweaking it. And you know, he's got his thoughts and a plan. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, I enjoy talking fishing with him. It's easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. He's, he's good. And I think a couple of things, a couple of takeaways, uh, the first one is if for the jig head size, change it out, try something new. I never do that. That's why I always, always think of stuff I never do. I'm like, I'll get out there and fish for the same size for five hours and cuss all day. Like you can't catch anything, uh, but switch it up easy and, and then move around. Like I think there's two, you know, fishing those jetties. Sometimes it's uh, you, you get settled in, you get comfortable and um, you know, I mean, I, I'm probably talking out of my league cause I don't have a boat. I don't anchor down, but <laughs> I'm just imagining if I did, if I didn't have that trolling motor, the spot lock trolling motor, if I anchored down, it's like okay, I got settled in. Now I'm gonna stay here for a while, uh, but don't be afraid to pull that thing up and move around. So I think those two things, like switch up your game a little bit. Don't get don't get so sold on doing one thing all day long. That'd be my pick-away. well. I tell you, man.
1: As we as we mentioned sometimes on this podcast, I am fortunate that I get to fish with a lot of these great fishermen. And high up on the list of what I appreciate about it is. I don't have to make decisions, man. It's not for me to decide, do we fish here longer and work it out or do we move and try another place? I and mean, I'm so fortunate that I don't. when I'm fishing with them, I don't have to make that decision. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, I think I like that approach of like, if it's just not working, man, then don't force it. Like, let's move around. Let's try something else.
0: Mm, spoken like a true one percenter gary thanks for sharing that respect. right <laughs> Honestly, well, the decision i make is what sandwich what
1: sandwich do i make to bring on the boat today with justin ragsdale what sandwich is going to be the best for the cape lookout rock jetty
0: peanut butter and jelly or the tuna i caught on yesterday's trip i don't know it's so hard <laughs> Gary, great episode man. a great guest and you always do a good job at Getting the information that we want to know and that our listeners, uh, you know, want to know. So, really valuable uh, show. Appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. And thank you, will Green do, man, Warehouse and Bland Landscaping Co. for making it all possible. And RA Hitch, appreciate you all. And we'll talk to you soon, Gary.
1: Thanks, man.